Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. I don't know, man. 7.5, 8 wins for the Raiders this year. That um, seems to be where uh, Vegas has slotted the Raiders or the guys that uh, people that are uh, in charge of uh, determining the betting line on the over-under for win totals. 7.5 to 8 wins. That's basically saying that yeah, you haven't improved from last year. In fact, you might have gotten worse um, given that it's a 17-win uh, season. I don't think that. I, I, I think if you're in that world, I'm looking at the over, and I'm looking at it really, really hard. Uh, I think the Raiders are much better than an eight-win team, uh, but that's just my two cents. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line to welcome in our good friend. Maybe maybe Evan's got uh, some answers uh, about uh, about this or some uh, some insight uh, on this. Uh, of course, we're talking about Evan Grote, and you can follow him at egrote5. Uh, he is the host of Just Pod Baby. Uh, Evan, you've been a Raider fan a long time, and uh, Raider fans talk a lot about uh, this constant disrespect uh, about their franchise, and um, usually I'm, I'm one of those guys, you, you earn your respect, and the Raiders just really haven't done that these last few wor- years when it comes to winning and losing and that type of thing, um, but 7.5 to 8 wins as the predicted win total for the Raiders, I think is a little bit on the low, so what say, low side, what say you? Yeah, hey, Vinny, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I want to I preface this by saying um, I, used to, I used to bet on games a long time ago, but I lost a lot of money doing it, so I, I stopped. So I might not be the best guy to ask, uh, you know, expertise from. But um, I, I have to agree with you. I, I would say whether the number's at seven, seven and a half, even at the number eight, that sounds really enticing, uh, you know, to, to place a bet on. I could absolutely see this team getting to at least nine wins. Um, I think that would, you know, eight or nine wins would be uh, at the lowest uh, end of the expectations. Um, but these sports books, you know, these guys who set these lines, they are they are so savvy, and they know exactly what they're doing, um, which is why, again, I, I said I stopped betting a long time ago. Um, but when you, when you look at the, the improvements that were made, or, or we hope to be improvements that were made uh, through free, ag- free agency, uh, people that were brought in through the draft, uh, the addition of the new defensive coordinator, you have to believe that the defense takes a step forward this year and helps this team win a couple of more games. And if the offense can stay on track and continue down the road that they've been on in the last couple of years, continue to put up points, I definitely think that not, at least nine wins is attainable. Now, I haven't gone through excuse me, uh, the schedule uh, you know, in great detail yet, uh, but you know, at, at first glance, you look at the schedule. It is it is daunting. You know, you have the AFC North division that the Raiders will be playing, and you know they're going to be facing three playoff teams uh, from a year ago in the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns. And also, they're going to be facing the NFC East division. And I wouldn't sleep on that division. I, I know it was it was ugly a year ago, but I expect the Cowboys with, with Dak Prescott being back. I expect them to be uh, much improved. That offense is going to be extremely tough. The Giants, I think they did really well in the draft. They're going to get Saquon Barkley back. And the, and the Washington football teams, they were also in the playoffs a year ago. So there's going to be six tough games right there. And, and you know, you throw in games with Miami, Indianapolis, 
and then you've got the six uh, divisional games, and you can see why the Raiders have one of the more difficult schedules in the league, according to um, you know win totals from a year ago. But but based on that, uh, all that being said, I I think based on the the direction that this team has been trending, I do think it's or I don't think it's out of the question um, for them to hit that over uh, of eight wins, and and maybe if, if things go well, even even better than expected, get to double digit wins as well. All right, um, I, you're not setting a line here, uh, but this is this is this is the offer to you, uh, Evan. Um, say it now, uh, or else your fandom to the Raiders are revoked. Based on that, how many wins do the Raiders have this year? You have to you have to make a decision, or yeah. else. Okay, I, I'll play along. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say nine and eight right now is my you know way too early uh, you know preseason prediction for the Raiders. I'm going to say nine and eight right now. Again, I haven't gone through the schedule in great detail week by week. You know who who, who they have on the road and all those types of things. But um, you know, I, I, I was quickly looking at it as I was listening to the, the first part of your show, and you know, I, I think nine wins at this point right now is, is a fair number. Okay. With, are are you going to be satisfied or disappointed if it's a nine win season? Um, well, you know it, it's. Um, I, I think that the, the the it's not so much about the win loss record for me. If nine wins is enough to get them into the playoffs, then I'm going to be satisfied. Uh, I, I don't really care, you know, how they get there. I just want to see it happen. I, I think it's been so long since this team, or well, 2016 was the last time, but uh, you know, in the last 20 years, there's been one season of, of playoffs. It's been so long um, that I think a lot of fans feel the same way as I do. Whether it's nine and eight or uh, eleven and, and, and six, uh, we just want to see this team in the playoffs. So um, you know, again. Eight win, or nine wins, ten wins, eleven wins, twelve wins. To me, it doesn't matter as long as you're playing football. In, in, you know, it's late in January. Okay, uh, then I'll rephrase that. If the Raiders don't make the playoffs last year, okay. If, if they, you said that they were going to go. You think that they could go nine and eight? And I'm not trying to, you know, put you on the spot here or anything like that. But I'm trying to gauge like Raider Nation because I, I, you hear that like, well, we're going to win this many games, and then they win that. You know, uh, uh, to me, that would be a disappointment. That's like if I were just in my job looking at it, I think that that would be a uh, underachievement uh, for the Raiders to go nine and eight uh, uh, next year. Now, having said that, obviously injuries play a huge factor. So just with this roster, no major injuries, uh, um, f- you know, over long periods of time, I think nine and eight would be a huge disappointment. I'm looking ten and eleven. Otherwise, um, you know, there's to me. Uh, some some explaining to do, uh, put it that way. But in your mind, um, whether it's nine and eight or whatever the case might be, is it playoffs or bust for you? Do you feel like they have to get to the playoffs? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I do think this year, uh, Gruden's fourth year back, um, I, I think this is their make or break year. If it doesn't happen this year, um, you know, uh, you know, if they should, well, let me rephrase that. If they should win. 10-11 games in the AFC uh, conference is extremely competitive, and they happen to miss out because of a tiebreaker or something along those lines. You know, I could live with that. But if it's if it's um, an eight and nine season, or uh, you know, with a losing record, or uh, a nine and eight season, and they miss the playoffs by a, by a couple games, you know, that's that's where it's going to be frustrating as a fan uh, because you know you look back at the last couple of years. 
and they were they were close. You know, six and four, six and three. This, both of those seasons did not end the way uh, we would have liked, but they they showed some signs of life. They showed some progress. Um, this is the season now where they have to learn from all of that. No more excuses of not having an off season. Um, you know, those those young players are now all uh, a year older. So I, I do expect that this team now will take that step and get into the playoffs this year. By wh- by whatever means necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're talking to Evan Grote. Uh, you can follow him at egrote5, uh, and he is the host of, uh, of Just Pod Baby. Yeah, because I, I – yeah, I, I think that nine wins is um, – you know, I, I hate to say the word unacceptable, uh, but, but honestly, uh, that's kind of based on what I saw from that team uh, in, in OTAs and, and the effect that I think, um, you know, Gus Bradley is going to have and, you know, Henry Ruggs getting better and what Kenyon Drake brings. you got a quarterback going into year four uh, in the same system. I think it's, it's set up. And I don't care about – I don't want to hear anything about the schedule. The schedule is the schedule. Um, it's not about who they're playing. It's about the Raiders and should be about the Raiders. And I think that – they should be able to go compete against the Indianapolis Colts. They should be able to beat the Baltimore Ravens and go on the road and beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. They're not going to go undefeated by any stretch of the imagination. And I do think that this is the Kansas City Chiefs uh, division. But I don't think there's any... There, I, to me, I don't see a big talent gap between them and the Colts, them and the uh, Baltimore Ravens, them and the Baltimore or the uh, the, the, the Cleveland Browns, etc., etc., etc. They have... They have the talent in place, and maybe the defensive coaching staff in place now to be able to win more of those games uh, than they lose. Um, but I got to ask you, Evan, specifically about that defense. For 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 the defense to be an asset to the offense, where are you on how many sacks does this defense need to get? How many turnovers do they need to uh, create? Yeah, and I think that's that is the key. It's not so much. I know a lot of people out there are harping on, um, you know, how many points, uh, how many less points can they give up this year? Uh, to me, it's going to be about those two categories, statistical categories, right there: sacks and turnovers. Because when you look back at the 2016 season, which is the last time the Raiders were in the playoffs, they were very, very good at, uh, at turnover in the turnover differential. I believe they were second in the league that year. Um, with the turnover differential. So I think when you have a defense that's opportunistic, uh, can generate pressure at the right times, late in games when you need to stop, those types of uh, situations, that can do wonders for your team. So, um, you know, last year I think the sack number was, what, 20, 21, I think it was last year. And 14, yeah, 14 and a half from the defensive line. Right, 14 and a half from the defensive line. And, okay, so I, I think um, I actually talked about this on my podcast. I'm expecting 20 sacks just from Max Crosby and uh, Yannick Ngakoway. I mean, if, I think that's a good oh, – we're talking about over-unders. I think that would be a good over-under number to set for those two is at least 20. So I would like to see the sack numbers at least in the mid-30s. I mean, I, if, if this team can't generate – 10 or more sacks than what they've done last year, uh, I would consider that a disappointment. And as far as the turnovers um, are, con- are, are concerned, you know, I don't, I don't know the, the number that they generated last year, but I know it, was, it wasn't good at all. I think it was 15. Um, and, and that, 15, wow. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure that ranks them towards the bottom of the league, uh, again, without having that number here in front of me. But that, that's a number to me that greatly has to improve. Um, 
again, I think the, or the year that they, the last time they went to the playoffs, they were very good at forcing turnovers, interceptions. Uh, Khalil Mack generated a lot of sack fumbles. So I think those are game-changing plays, um, and they can really do wonders for, uh, for an offense. We're talking to Evan Grote. You can follow him at egrote5. Uh, and, of course, he's the host of Just Pod Baby. Um, Evan, obviously, big news uh, on Monday uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Carl Nassib uh, making the announcement that, that, that he made. Um, came out as the, uh, the first um, active NFL player to come out uh, as gay. There was universal um, support for him. And I think the... Uh, uh, the fact that, you know, a couple of days later now, it seems to have settled down. And, you know, if there was any shock, um, which, come on, it's 2021. How could there be shock that, you know, it was inevitable that a player was going to eventually come out in the NFL. It just so happened to be Carl Nassib and, and the Raiders. Um, but moving forward, do you think that this, you know, will have not an effect on the season, but do you think that this will kind of hover over the Raiders throughout the year? Or do you think that by announcing it now, you know, a, a month-long uh, runway to training camp, um, you know, and the way things are structured right now with the access that the media has to players, do you think that um, it was probably in the, everybody's best interest that it was taken care of now? Uh, not that it should be, you know, a big, huge deal whenever he had, he had, he had made the announcement, but just for to control the media part of it. Uh, do you think it was better off that it was done the way it was done then so that it doesn't become too overburdened for him specifically and the Raiders uh, in general? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't expect this to linger on uh, into the season at all. Perhaps the first week of, uh, of uh, training camp, you know, I'm sure he'll be he'll be asked about that should he be made available to the media. But, um, you know, and I think part of that reason is just because, and no offense to, to Carl Gasset, but he's not one of the higher-profile players um, on the Raiders or, or in the league. And, and I, I think this will actually kind of raise his level of uh, notoriety a bit. But, no, I, I wouldn't expect this to, um, to, to linger on or, or to be a big issue within the locker room. I, I think you, you heard from coaches, you've heard from – uh, players on the team and, and players around the league. I, I, and as you said, and as Mark Davis said, it, it's 2021. Um, it, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's great that he was able to, um, you know, finally come out and, and, and tell you know, tell the world, uh, how he feels. And, and that could not have been easy for him to do, but, um, it's just, I, I think it'll be more of a non-issue. Um, a lot of support from around the league, players, coaches, um, the, the commissioner, so um, you know all the credit in the world to uh, Carl Nassib. Th- that could not have been an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, football locker rooms are are full of uh, testosterone and, and you know uh, that kind of thing. So um, you know, all the credit in, in the world for him. And I just hope that um, you know it opens the door for other athletes and high profile people. And, and beyond that, maybe just a, an average uh, Joe or, or, or a high school student who's dealing with, with a similar situation that they now have the courage to uh, come out and, and, you know, be honest with themselves and, and, you know, their loved ones and whatnot. Absolutely. Well said. All right, Evan, uh, last year the Raiders had 457 rushing attempts uh, and 523 pass targets uh, among all you know, their, their skill players and whatnot. 
I want to throw a couple of things at you. The 457 run attempts, obviously that's probably going to go up a little bit because there's a 17th game. Uh, And if the Raiders, you know, uh, uh, take care of business on defense, I think you're going to see a a, a real intent uh, to to lean heavily on on that run game. But, Let's just say that the run game is in that 470 range um, in a 17-game schedule. Could we be headed toward a model much like the Cleveland Browns uh, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt had 198 carries last year. Nick Chubb had 190 carries this year for the Raiders with Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. Is that is that something where where, where that balance? could be where the Raiders are headed with their running back tandem. Yeah, I think that's the plan. I mean, that, that, that would be, you know, the main reason why you would bring in a guy like Kenyon Drake, right, is to, is to lessen the workload on Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, 273 carries a year ago, uh, you know, played most of the season banged up, and, you know, only 3.9 yards per average. That That's... You know, he did get over the 1,000-yard the mark milestone, but, um, you know, down the stretch when they needed him, just wasn't as effective as he, you know, as they needed him to be. So I think you bring in a guy like Kenyon Drake, and he and he helps, you know, take some of the, the workload off of Josh Jacobs. I wouldn't be surprised to see his, his uh, number of carries drop significantly, maybe into the, uh, you know, low 220s or even into the, you know, 210 10 to 10 range. I think that's maybe where you might see uh, Josh Jacobs uh, in that area this year. And then, you know, you had the, you had the guys like uh, Drake and, and Richard to kind of pick up some of that slack um, uh, from, from the carries that Jacobs doesn't get. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's the philosophy. We know Gruden wants to be a run first uh, or he, 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 he wants to have a power run game. And, and, you know, I think when you look at what the Browns were able to do, they kind of, uh, I guess you could say they kind of hid or protected Baker Mayfield a little bit. And, and when you have a strong offensive line and, and, and two really good running backs, you can do that. So, um, you know, I would, I would expect definitely to see kind of a two-headed monster out of this Raiders backfield next year. And by the way, Cream uh, uh, Hunt was targeted 51 times in the past game, and, and Nick Chubb was targeted 18 times in the past game. So both of those players, I think, are going to be, you know, getting their fair share of, of, of love in the, in, in the past game without question. All right, so of those 523 targets, um, last year, I think um, Darren Waller was around 142, 147 uh, targets. Um, I think that might be a little bit too much um and it probably showed that you know he was the offense especially in the past game uh went through him nelson aguilar had 87 i think targets um but other than that it was it was you know fairly low i think um hunter redfo was in the 70s um but assuming there's 500 and because there's a 17th game assuming there's a there's 550 560 targets uh this year uh with the raiders i where do you think Darren Waller's targets go to? Do you think it comes down a little bit? And where do you think Henry Ruggs's targets go from the 43 that he had last year? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Um, there's a couple of things, you know, when you're talking about target shares that I think you have to consider um, when you have this discussion. The, the first one is, you know, you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. He's no longer there. He, he vacates 82 targets from a year ago. Um, the second thing I think you need to consider is, you know, some of the new guys. How large of a role is, is let's say, John Brown going to have, you know, in this offense? Is he going to be asked, and, and will he be able to step in 
and pick up some of that production? Will he step right in for Nelson Aguilar and, you know, do what Aguilar did? You know, that's, that's yet to be seen. Um, you know, and then, and then you've got guys, as you mentioned, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, uh, Renfro, Moreau. There, there's a lot of options on this offense. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see a guy like Henry Ruggs. I think we talked about this last week. I'd like to see his targets uh, double. I think he'll be the biggest beneficiary of not having Nelson Aguilar around this year. He has a, you know, he's the most explosive of all these players. He has a skill set, a skill set unlike any of those other guys. Um, so I'd love to see his targets in, increase significantly. And when it comes to Darren Waller, um, you know, he had 145 targets last year. Um, I think next year, because there are so many other options, um, you know, he's going to have, uh, Derek Carr is going to have a little bit more trust and faith in, in, in some of these second-year wide receivers. I think you see Waller's target number go, go somewhere closer to where it was in 2019 when it was around 117 targets. Um, so and it's also possible, I think when you're talking about Waller and his target shares, it's possible that with the addition of uh, a running back like Kenyon Drake, who can catch the ball in those short to intermediate routes, um, and you get a healthy, 100% healthy version of Foster Morrow, that you could see Derek Carr leaning a little bit, um, you know, leaning a little bit less on Waller in some of those shorter intermediate routes, and, and you might see um, Morrow and, and, and Drake kind of, you know, take some of the, the targets that would have gone to Waller last year. Those guys will pick up some of that slack this year. I agree, uh, but I, I think the the point is, and I saw it with the Rams. We've talked about it. There, there's enough love to go around. Um, there's there's t- plenty of ways where you know Darren Walt Waller will get his, um, you know uh, Henry Ruggs can get his. Foster Moreau will be involved much more, uh, and on and on and on. And I think that it's and it, it bodes well for this team. Um, to be able to spread it out just a little bit more or just to be able to have, um, in, in, in Derek Carr's case and John Gruden's case, confidence to be able to spread it out uh, a little bit more. But it'll be fascinating to see where it's all headed. Evan Grote, thank you so much, as usual, uh, for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. I uh, love the insight uh, and knowledge that you always drop. Thanks so much and have a great weekend, my friend. Anytime, Vinny. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That is Evan Grote uh, from, um, and you can follow him at egrote5, and he is the host of Just Pod Baby. Uh, always enjoy having him on uh, and getting his insight. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Imahara. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. That is right. Um, you are in the huddle with Vinny Monster. I am the beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. By the way, if you ever want to go uh, read all of our stuff uh, over at the RJ, uh, you can download the app Vegas Nation, uh, or you can just uh, type in VegasNation.com in the computer. We got you covered with stories, videos, photos, uh, everything, um, and podcasts, uh, and we're happy to do it. So, uh, so uh, go check out the work that uh, that I do and my teammates over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. It's second to none. Uh, And also along those lines, uh, don't forget tomorrow night uh, over at Michael T's uh, Steak uh, and Hamburger um, Restaurant here in Las Vegas. Uh, It's Aloha Friday night. 
Uh, it's live Hawaiian music from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Uh, and then there's a karaoke uh, segment with a Hawaiian TJ from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, our great sponsor, Embajador Tequila, uh, puts that show on. Uh, Michael T's tremendous food. Um, so you'll get great music, great food, uh, and obviously all the Embajador Tequila uh, drinks that you want. And they do some pretty exotic, fun uh, drink combinations uh, with Embajador Tequila over there at Michael T's. So uh, so go have some fun. It's a Friday night. We're, we're uh, huge uh, supporters of Michael T's. Um, good guy. And uh, I just love the fact that all the restaurants in town are, are beginning to open up now uh, to full capacity. It's just great to see Las Vegas come alive as it should. I just think about this time last year and uh, there was none of that going on. So uh, it was really sad uh, and damaging, uh, but we have come out on the other side and it's really, really fun to see the city come alive uh, as it has uh, recently. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line because Justin D is in Portland. How you doing, Justin? Hey, Vinny, can you hear me? I got you, brother. Hey, I don't know who's from Portland, but that's not me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyways, yeah, I saw you guys talk about the uh, season records today, and I think as it looks right now, this is a 10-7 and 7 team. I think the defense has had enough of a facelift with the addition of Gus Bradley that I think they close out those, you know, inside the two-minute warning, fourth quarter, real close games. At least I would hope. I think they have enough playmakers and enough of new faces that, that we'll be able to get over that hump that we couldn't this year. Um, however, looking towards Gruden and kind of, you know, how he looks after this season. And, you know, I, I know Mark Davis handed him over the keys to the kingdom with the 10 year contract and, you know, right to, to draft players and all that. Uh, I kind of want your opinion on this. I, I just don't understand how the guys, uh, you know, doesn't have the hottest seat in the NFL. If, if this team is not at least a wild card team, I, I really think this is playoffs or bust and, you know, at this point, they're running out of excuses on stuff that that could or could not go wrong. I, I just think this is a must, you know, must win year. You got to make the playoffs this year. You know, if Gruden doesn't want to start getting hot on that seat. Yeah, and and I totally understand it. And I totally get it. Uh, I do know this about John Gruden. He's got a maniacal obsession with getting the Raiders restored back to order. Uh, I could tell you that uh, unequivocally. Um, and, you know, whatever pressure there might be, you know, on uh, in the inside or even up from above him, uh, none of it matches the pressure that he puts on himself. Um, it's, you know, it's been tough these last couple of years, um, starting off the way the Raiders started and ending the way the Raiders ended. And it's, you know, nobody felt that pain, uh, more than, than John Gruden. Um, but you know, and, but I don't sense that, you know, this is a playoff or else kind of a season. And I don't think the Raiders would ever, whether it was subtly, um, you know, behind the scenes um, or whatever the case might be, I don't think that they would ever, um, you know, kind of come out and, and say that, uh, uh, you know, like imply, even imply it. Uh, I think that the Raiders believe that they're in a much better position now to close end of games, uh, to play better throughout uh, games, um, to, to, you know, not to avoid the kind of pitfalls that they, that they, um, fell into these, these last couple of years. Um, and, and I don't think that that was necessarily the case. You know, I've, I've said this a couple of times. I don't think that that was necessarily, I, I think they understood there was an awareness, um, you know, over these last couple of years that, um, 
there were flaws on this team from 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 within. They understood that they understood that the defensive line wasn't where it needed to be. There was they they understood that the pass rush wasn't where uh, it needed to be, and that that it needed to be fixed. I do think that they feel like they've put themselves in a much better position uh, this year, and I think that they're, as John Gruden said, the expectations are absolutely um, rising. Um, but, and I think that the sense that I get, um, there, how do I put this? The sense that I get is there's a quiet confidence in that building, and I've sensed it from the players, players that I've spoken to, uh, just people in the building. Uh, John Gruden came out and talked about the expectations um, um, are, are rising, and that, look, what did John Gruden say? We've shown that we can win on the road. We've shown that we can compete in the AFC West. The Raiders should have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs twice last season, even with a flawed uh, defense. Um, so, and, and, and the areas that they felt like they needed to improve in on paper, they've made those improvements. You know, Casey Hayward makes a big different difference on that defense in the secondary Trayvon Morig, or maybe Tyree Gillespie. I think it's going to be Trayvon Morig, um, you know, at that, that free safety position is, is a better option than what they had at that position, uh, last year. Maybe Jonathan Abram is a better player at the new position that he's going to be playing, you know, than he was last year, kind of playing all over the place. Um, I think Max Crosby is in great shape. We just heard Evan Grote talking about 20 sacks potentially between Yannick Ngakwe, the new uh, defensive end, and Max Crosby. If the Raiders could get 20 sacks from those two players, and it's more than conceivable, both players have done that before in their in their in their histories. Um, that would that would be an improvement by six on the sack total just of the defensive line last year. Like like to get 20 from two guys when you only got 14 or so from the entire group last year, that makes it that's going to make a huge difference. And I think that they're fully capable of doing that. I believe in a 17-game schedule, um, you know, uh, Clee Farrell should be able to get six to seven sacks if he stays healthy. Uh, he was on um, on that trajectory last year before, you know, COVID, um, you know, uh, un unfortunately took a big bite out of him. There was a, there was an injury that took a big bite out of him. Uh, but I think in a 17 game schedule, uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to get six to seven sacks. And that's along with, you know, uh, the, the support that he adds, uh, in, in the run game. I think Carl Nassib, um, you know, is fully capable of five sacks. Um, that's on a low end for him. You know, you look at, Guys like Darius Phylon and Quinton Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins, they're going to get three or so each probably, two, three, four. Um, you know, and all of a sudden you start looking at that defensive line and you're talking about more than 30 sacks from just that group alone. You're going to get sacks from, you know, on cornerback blitzes, safety blitzes. I think Jonathan Abrams is going to be involved in that uh, area. Uh, I think that, um, you know, uh, linebackers, Corey Littleton has had sacks in his career. I think he had topped out at three one year with the Rams. Nicholas Morrow, I think, had three last year alone. So, um, you know, uh, there's there's reason to believe that they've addressed the main issue that was really, really hurting them uh, last year. And, uh, and, and I think that that's going to um, help. And I think that that's why these expectations are rising. I'm going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. D is in Portland. How you doing, D? I'm doing good, Benny. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks. 
Yeah. Hey, so I had two quick questions on some stuff that's more under the radar, or at least stuff I haven't heard too much on the show. But um, Carl Joseph and John Simpson, how are they in camp? I heard John Simpson actually might win out the guard spot or just early. And just Carl Joseph, how's he looking? Um, well, uh, John Simpson, um, I mean, he was he took some first team reps because there were a couple of days where um, where Denzel Good uh, wasn't out there. Uh, I think he was getting some some work done in the uh, in the in the in the, in the pool. So uh, there's probably something going on physically with Denzel Good. You know, I think either of those guys are going to be uh, okay um, at guard. And I think if the Raiders had a preference, it would probably be. John Simpson, you know, decisively winning that job um, because then that allows Denzel Good to go back to a role that he, I think, really excels in. And, that could, you know, he's a, a guy that can play guard, a guy that can play tackle. Um, and you'd have real good coverage at both of those positions, whether it's right guard, left guard, right tackle, uh, with a guy like... Um, Denzel Good there, you know, coming in off the bench. Um, so, and, and that would bode well, obviously, for John Simpson. It would mean that he took a big step forward. Uh, so I think they're in pretty good position there between the two of them that they're going to be okay um, at that guard position. I think that, um, you know, obviously, Richie Incognito needs to stay healthy. Uh, if he does, that changes, um, you know, that changes what he's, what, what, you know, you look at last year on that, um, on that offensive line, not having Richie incognito was such a sneaky, low key, big deal. All right. There's, to me, it's not a coincidence. Yes. Trent Brown, you know, only played the four games and that was a huge deal. Um, but not having Richie incognito because the, the run game, there's, there were two, there's two such important people in the run game uh, for the Raiders. It's Richie incognito and the nastiness that he brings um, and the road grader that he is and the way you can run uh, right behind him. And then Alec Ingold as well. Um, you know, and he got hurt in that, in that chargers game in Los Angeles it was never the same uh, after that. I talked to Alec after the season and, you know, it was a good month after the season. He was just getting back to like feeling good. Can you imagine trying to do your job and his job, which is as a lead blocker with two broken ribs? It's it's just and when he went down, he still tried to play, but it was obvious that he they weren't able to use him the way they normally used him. There was a lot of times where he was running in motion on run plays just to get his defender out of there uh, instead of having him block him uh, and take him out that way, or hoping that they could take his defender out of there by putting him in motion. But anyway, um, getting Richie Incognito back to that offensive line, if he can stay healthy, especially is a real boost uh, because he brings a nastiness. He brings a toughness. I think the run game is going to be better as a result. I also think being able to have, you know, and, and a lot of pressures on Alex Leatherwood to deliver, but I think that having a young, athletic, explosive, powerful right tackle now in Alex Leatherwood, who, if he's, you know, stays healthy, um, is going to be out there for you know 16, 17 games this year, which is what they didn't get from Trent Brown, not only last year, but the year before that, remember, um, Trent Brown went out in what f with four games left or so, three games left in the 2019 season. They could have sure used him in some of those games as well. Uh, so they're trading, you know, 
obviously a good player in Trent Brown, but I think what they're getting back, they hope anyway, is availability and reliability in the younger um, Alex uh, Leatherwood. So, um, but hey, going back to your original question, uh, if John Simpson can win that job, I think it really lengthens that defensive line even more because now in Denzel Good, you kind of have a super sub, a guy that can play uh, both um, you know, tackle uh, and guard. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Just thinking about what our good friend Evan Grote uh, over at Just Pod Baby um, had to say about uh, the possibility of Unique and Gawkway and uh, Max Crosby getting 20 sacks uh, between them. Uh, and remember, Unique and Gawkway, uh, the Raiders' new defensive end, is on record uh, as saying that he believes that he and Max Crosby are going to be the best uh, tandem uh, in the NFL. Now, I think part of that means, you know, yes, they're going to share the field uh, at times this year. I think they're also going to be uh, kind of an interchangeable sort of a sort of a part to the Raiders' defense. And I think that's going to keep both players fresh, um, uh, not just at end of games. Remember Gus Bradley talking about uh, being able to bring it and have gas left in the tank in those last two minutes of games when you absolutely have to have it. Well, you know, if you're able to, to really share the load, um, you know, uh, with, with, with Yannick Ngagwe and Max Crosby during the course of games, by the time the end of the games come around, both of those guys are going to have more than they, uh, more in the tank than they would otherwise. Um, and I would imagine we were talking to, um, we were talking yesterday about how there could be situations. I think when it when the Raiders have to have it, and it's a minute left, and they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and they're up by five points, uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, have a minute to go uh, to 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 drive the field, um, you know, to score a touchdown. Who's going to be on the field for the Raiders in that front four? Like. Like when it gets to that point where you need your best to be out there and you need your best to be delivering it. I mean, I could see a situation where you have Max Crosby on one side, Unique and Gawkway on the other, move Clee Farrell uh, inside where he's going to get some favorable, um, you know, uh, one-on-one mass- matchups against smaller guards. Uh, and maybe whether it's Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Hankins, um, you know, on that uh, Quinton Jefferson uh, on that uh, at that other defensive tackle position, that's not a bad option to have at that point in the game. And the key being is by using the rotation that Gus Bradley's been talking about, creating a rotation that Gus Bradley's been talking about, where you have um, a starting lineup, a you know, a full group of four, and a full group of four right behind them, and coming at teams in waves to get to a point where you know you want your best four out there they're going to be in a pretty good position to have their best four be in pretty good physical condition at the end of games. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case uh, these last couple of years. But, you know, you, you talking to Evan Grote today, all right, 10 sacks for Unique Ngakwe, 10 sacks for uh, Max Crosby. That's 20. The, the Raiders defensive line had 14.5 sacks last year. So now they're ta- you're already talking about 20 among two players. What do you want to pencil Clee Farrell in for? Six? All right, let's give him six. I think if he plays a full season healthy, uh, he's more than capable of getting six sacks. Um, 
maybe even more, but let's go on the low end and six sacks for Clee Farrell. Um, what about Carl Nassib? I think that five, let's give, let's give Carl Nassib five sacks. He's more than capable of getting five sacks uh, in a season with, you know, the proper amount of, uh, of snaps. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, let's go three. Solomon Thomas, let's go three. Uh, Darius Phylon, let's go three. Jonathan Hankins, let's go two. Was that 20, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42? Haven't even talked about Malcolm Kuntz. Should I give him four? I'll give him four. I think he can get six, depending on how much he plays. I mean, when you're doing these numbers, it's not out of the realm. These are. Unique Ngagwe has gotten 10 sacks in his career uh, in a season, as has Max Crosby. And both of those players being fresh and getting, you know, uh, being, which allows them to play more efficient snaps in a 17 game schedule, I think it's very reasonable for both those players to have 10 sacks. Now you're talking 20 and two with two players, uh, and then six, five, three, 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 two, four. That's just from your defensive line. You know, throwing three sacks for. Uh, uh, Corey Littleton, he's more than capable of getting three sacks. You want to throw in three sacks for Jonathan Abram? I bet if he gets used in that in that in that uh, blitz game, kind of like a Jamal Adams. I'm not saying that he's Jamal uh, Adams, but he's that type of a player, and he's going to get used in a similar fashion. I think three might be on the low end for uh, Jonathan Abram if he stays healthy and you know he takes to that new position. Nicholas Morrow had three sacks himself last year. All right, so that's that's nine from out just among the three players that I talked about. You got to figure that somebody else is going to come off the edge on a blitz from one of your cornerbacks or another safety. Um, so let's 20, 26, 31, 34, um, uh, 38, or 37, 40, 42, 44. 46, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53. 53 sacks. Could the Raiders do that? They had 21 sacks last year. But you look at who they have this year, and we're not even going high on any of these numbers. We're not even going nuts. We could go nuts if we wanted to go nuts, but we're not. We don't, I don't think you need to. Just have guys do what they are capable of doing, and in some cases have done in the past. 50 sacks this year for the Raiders? I mean, if you could just double it up, that makes a huge difference because we're not just talking about sacks. We're talking about the potential of strip sacks. Remember, Unique Agagwe is really good at that. Carl, um, Clee Farrell has had a couple of moments in that regard with the strip sacks. So you're going to lead... The, 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 the sacks are going to lead to more turnovers, whether they're fumbles, which are bound to happen and will happen, or, you know, um, a guy, you know, throwing the ball sideways for an interception, or just the fact that, you know, if you're getting 50-something sacks, you're also getting a lot of other times, there's all, all kinds of other times during uh, uh, past situations where you're, where you're getting heat on the quarterback and making life difficult for the quarterback. And all of a sudden, that leads to um, that leads to to errors. That leads to interceptions. 
And by the way, let's back it up real quick on those sacks. Even if you're not getting the turn, I think they will get more turnovers as a result. It's almost inevitable. But you know what else happens? How many now times are, are other teams on off schedule having to do off schedule plays? You know, all of a sudden, you know, what, what was either a first down last year because the guy sat in the pocket nice and easy and, and completed a, a pass. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at second and 14 or third and 17. That's what that leads to, let alone the, the turnovers. So, I don't know. You know, when, when, when Evan talked about those 20 sacks between Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby, which both players are fully capable of doing if they stay healthy, then you start adding in the numbers just of guys doing what they're capable of doing. This could be a huge, huge turnaround in terms of the sacks for the Raiders. And uh, that, to me, is where it all begins for the turnaround of the Raiders defense. I think if the Raiders can get to those numbers that we just talked about, and none of those numbers are nuts. None of those numbers are crazy. They're reasonable. Changes everything for the Raiders defense. I want to say thanks to uh, all our callers. Uh, appreciate it. I know we were on uh, an odd uh, uh, time uh, window this uh, today, as we will tomorrow and then Monday and Tuesday, uh, because uh, the Las Vegas Aviators, I think they're in Salt Lake City. Uh, at least right now, they're in Salt Lake City playing a, uh, a series against the Salt Lake City uh, team. Um, so they're starting a little bit earlier. I think I think first pitch is around 5.30, so... Uh, we moved it back about an hour. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks to the callers. Thanks to Demon Cotton uh, for doing what you do uh, all the time uh, over at home base. And uh, thanks to Evan Grote, uh, our great friend uh, from Just Pod Baby, uh, Just Pod, <laughs> uh, for uh, for uh, for spending some time with us in the huddle. We'll be back at it tomorrow, three to five o'clock, um, here on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. in the huddle. Video Monsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs>